0: So this morning, the section I'll be teaching on is Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. This chapter is um, the second part of a discussion that Paul is having um, about the the blessings and the consequences of justification by faith the justification by faith that he spent the first um, three chapters um, of Romans explaining and proving Um, now in chapter 5 as brother Todd started us on last week um, he's transitioning to start discussing the consequences of justification by faith um, I'm going to read the second for us if you could all follow along please this is Romans 5 verses 6 through 11 Praise God for that reconciliation. So, this section starts with the word for, um, which is a clear indication that it's, um, rather than a new topic of discussion, it's a continuation of previous ideas and an explanation of that. For some of us, English class was a long time ago,
1: but... (laughs) (laughs)
2: Leave Wally out of this. (laughs) I (laughs) can not know what's your Wally never graduated. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
0: (laughs) So as a little bit of a reminder, for is a preposition. That's a part of speech that helps um, denote a... a relation between a noun a pronoun or a phrase and other words in a sentence Um, here for could easily be used um, and replaced with because of so the section that we're studying this morning is a explanation and a defense of previous ideas that Paul introduced so I'm going to um, read a few verses ahead of our section and try and listen and pick out the idea that Paul is going to justify in the section that we're reading now Um, starting in verse 3 of chapter 5 more than that we rejoice in our sufferings Looking at those previous sections, does anyone have any ideas as to what Paul is trying to justify or support in this section?
1: Uh, um, it
3: coinciding with another verse that we know that uh, you know Christ loved us first before we loved Him. So while we were still sinners, Christ even loved us then. Hmm.
0: Yeah. so if, if you look at verse 6 um, it starts with for which could easily be replaced with because um, and you know when someone says because they're trying to prove something right they're trying to support something else that was said or mentioned um, so we're trying to find what, what Paul is supporting in this section
4: yes in, in James there's similarity where it's in verse 2 reinforces consider all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete and and lacking in nothing and that it talks about all the benefits of of trials and that's pretty similar to what it's saying here about perseverance uh, proven character and how that also leads on, on to various aspects.
0: Yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot of parallels in that. Um, and, and within that idea is what Paul is trying to justify this morning. Um, specifically, what Paul is justifying in the section we're studying is um, he's trying to... Um, prove that the love of God is so great that we can have a hope in him that is never put to shame at the end of uh, in verse 5 it says and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us When Paul starts this next section with four, what he is trying to um, expand upon and prove is um, this idea of God's love being so great that we can have a certain hope that is never put to shame. So as we study through this passage, we should be looking back and under, trying to understand how these proofs of God's love give us a hope that can never be put to shame and that hope is, is so great and so certain and so strong that we can rejoice even in trials and in sufferings mm. it's not hard to see why Paul would spend time trying to um, explain this to his readers. No one in life goes through avoids uh, trials and sufferings and the proper understanding of how great God's love is drastically affects the way that we can live.
2: Do you think this uh, for when we could be compared to when Abraham he was without strength. He was beyond the age of reproduction and Sarah as well. He received strength, or yeah. she received strength to conceive. He uh, was persuaded that God was able to fulfill His promises. So, like Abraham, was in a hopeless sort of a state, and yet God brought a miracle to pass. So we too, when we were yet without strength, yeah. uh, we too had a a birth, so to speak. Come to pass in our lives.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: last week's th- teacher brought that up.
5: You
2: I thought you were only going to God
0: bringing life out of lifeless bodies is is one of the clearest clearest pictures of the work of the gospel. You know, Him Him causing people who are. Too old to, to produce children, to, to have that life renewed in them, is um, a picture of how um, God is able to um, produce great things out of people who are dead and lifeless, you know, wh- who are weak.
1: I
4: think that um, while, I, while I like what Gary said, I, I don't know if, you know if I would go along fully with that because it says, while we were still helpless, at the right time helpless I think meaning in sin while we were uh, cold while we were dead in our sins and in our trespasses yeah. he died for the ungodly I think and
0: uh, yeah um, I, I think that um, weak or helpless there is definitely in regards to our ability to do good you know we are helpless to 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 do good we are um, like morally bankrupt Um, and um, I think that the the parallel still has um, um, strength there it's not the same thing but showing how people who cannot produce um, good things um, God can still love and save them in the same way where Abraham and Sarah couldn't um, produce offspring God they were helpless to do that Um, they were too weak in their bodies to do that but God still made that possible
4: Justin do you think
1: um,
3: in the spirit of this passage really the looking that that worship coming out not only that we rejoice in our suffering it's the picture of the forwardness so we rejoice in our suffering the reason hope isn't put to shame is that we look forward in our faith yeah. we can trust in that very similar mm-hmm. to in that we don't have all the blessings yet of, a, of a complete change forward our faith yeah that is to not be
0: a, a lot of what we'll get into with this passage is um, a demonstration how God's love isn't just displayed at the cross but with the resurrection of Christ we can have a hope for the future um, and yeah, it's definitely a very forward-looking hope um, that um, Paul is looking to, to shore up such a, a confidence in the future that uh, no matter what is going on now, we can find a joy.
3: I'm to that this word hope here is interesting because it's not like a word that you use to like, I hope it doesn't rain next Saturday. We have no evidence or guarantee or, or forward promise in that. But in this type of hope, we do. This is a promise from God. It's not yeah. whether or not it will happen. It's a promise that it will. And that's what we hope
1: for.
0: Yeah. Um, the the biblical word hope is, is very different from um, the word hope that we use in our language. Um, the biblical word hope carries with it an idea of certainty. That when you have this hope, you have a certainty about these things. That this affects the way you live and the way you act, because in hope, you are certain of this future.
4: I think to
3: to reinforce that in verse 3, the key phrase, and this is the NIDC, you probably all don't have this, but it says because we know that Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, and hope, and character, hope. So that phrase, we know, I think is a very strong foundation in this verse here that this supports not only what says here about the uh, perseverance, character, and hope, but also as you get down here to verse 6, and the idea says, you see, so they, they put a, in, in the Anabia they put a, instead of the word for, but it says you see, so he's he's, I think, yeah. uh, pointing to the greater light that is being uh, demonstrated by this passage here but it's yeah. all built on that you know, that, that phrase we know. Hmm. You know you know from your personal experience you know from the history of the Old Testament that God has provided this and he's just uh, outlining uh, all, the, all the things of God needs to bring about
0: yeah definitely um, and like we see is definitely another phrase that um, shows that um, the things he's about to say are supporting the previous ideas um, and it's interesting how seeing has that connotation of like witnessing God um, shores up these truths in our, our lives, our lives as well. mm-hmm. um, so the the important thing here is um, that our hope is not put to shame um, what what does it mean for our hope to be put to shame can anyone explain that concept or? for it's beautiful
6: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. it to not be fulfilled vain it would be demonstrated that you hope in vain that you yeah, like, I so said, we you, you're were you foolish in
3: believing that thing that you said you hoped."
1: Yeah. The
3: version say, "Disappoint."
0: Um, <coughs> and and realistically, when you when you have this sort of biblical hope that has the idea of certainty behind it, um, where you are basing your decisions and your actions around this hope. And then that's proven false it's It's an embarrassing and shameful thing. Um, if I um, sell all of my my stuff and and put money into this scam ponzi scheme, um, thinking you know telling everyone that they're stupid for not following along, and that you know I'm going to be so rich one day, and then they'll all be laughing then I'll be laughing. Um, and then that falls through. It puts me to shame because I was so certain of this that I based my life around it and then I was put to shame. Well, okay. We'll see here that God's love is so great that hope in Him will never be put to shame. You
5: know, one of the things I've seen in this verse is that um, the time that it's it's uh, it shows the past, the present, and the future. You know, you look at it, and we're you know it, it says um, we exalt in the hope of the glory of God, and that's the future. But then the next verse it, it talks about we exalt in our tribulation, which is what we go through now. But we can we can see that God carries us through, and that's that's the hope. Yeah. We see we see what God's taking us from. We see what we're dealing with today
0: and you can see the fullness of God in verses like that that his joy his, his reasons the reasons for us finding joy in God are not just in present or not just in the future or not just <coughs> in the past but they are present in all of those things and they're not just present in the good things we receive but even we find joy when we're in tribulations Um, there is no place that the Christian can look to where they can't find um, reason to rejoice in God not the future, the past or the present, any of those places you can witness how God's love is being manifest it's, it makes a lot of sense that, um, so in, in the beginning here, Paul is going to show how God's love is so dissimilar from the love we're used to experiencing as humans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it makes a lot of sense that he decides to start his argument that way. Because the, the love that we experience on a human level is such a pale shadow of god 's love
1: mm.
0: um, uh, I think a good example of this is uh, anyone here who 's married, raise your hands all right um, well, keep your hands up <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you can lower your hands if um, your spouse has um, failed to perfectly love you or be considerate or self-sacrificing towards
1: you (laughs) (laughs) And,
0: and some of the people here have had the joy and the blessing of spending decades growing together and loving one another Um, and I think as with um, believing couples we learn to love better over that time
1: Um,
0: but, but not even after decades is the love of a spouse so great that if we put our hope in it 100% that we would never be put to shame so so See, this is why Paul has to spend such focus on explaining why God's love is not like our love. The peaks of the love that we experience in life are are pale shadows to to the mountain of God's love. Amen, brother. It's it's like climbing a a small foothill. And at the end, you go, Wow, that was such a hard climb. I'm so, like, it's so amazing to be this high up. And then, you know, one day you travel to the, you know, Swiss mountains and you're thousands of feet up in the air. And it, those small hills don't compare, you know? But if all you've ever known is those hills, when I try to tell you about a mountain, you, you don't understand the magnitude of it. So Paul has to take time to show us the magnitude of God's love.
6: You know, Justin, it was a great motivating factor. For me, when my parents sacrificed so much, and my father made it very self-evident by reminding me, in a very good sense of uh, trying to give all of the children a start they sacrificed in their life for that yeah. and yet the sacrifice of Christ so far exceeds that to give us the motivation to continue on in faith as Abraham did yeah. in life and all the things that are described in that context and, and it was the very thing that still carried the prophets through through all those trials and troubles yeah. it's the reason why you know, uh, Jeremiah said, has anyone s- suffered like me that the Lord has brought upon me? And the answer is yes. And that was before his death and resurrection. Hmm. It's the impetus for every Christian life that the sacrifice of Christ was one who died for the ungodly.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the love that we experience in our life, um, God has purposed to help teach us about how how great God's love is and um, solid Christians will will take the love that we show other people um, in our, our children and our spouses and use that to encourage in them a deeper understanding of what it means for God's love to be so great um, yeah so um, I'm going to quickly go through some some <coughs> ways other ways that not not fully understanding um, how deep God's love is um, affects our lives and, and so understand that when you study verses like this and you see how great God's love is that. Um, helps us turn away from, from these mistakes in our life. Um, <coughs> when we don't thoroughly understand God's love, um, uh, as seen earlier in the text, um, we do not hope or we do not rejoice in trials. Um, because when we experience pain in this world, and we don't realize how great God's love is and the things that it's working for us, those trials can cause us to despair. So if you want to rejoice in trials, look at passages that show how great God's love is. We also lack peace because we let ourselves believe that God's love is just like the other loves in our life. That we can't put our hope in it 100%. That, that we can't rest because we've seen what love looks like and it, it fails. So, if, if you want to find peace, understand God's love better. Understand that it's not like the love we see. Um, if we don't understand God's love, we sin more frequently more easily and we feel less guilty about it because when we we don't understand what God is working for us because he loves us so greatly we think that his provision is lacking and that we somehow have to steal happiness for ourselves because God isn't going to bring it to us because his love isn't that great so, so failing to understand um, really the gospel, the the pulpit of God's love, um, causes us to sin more frequently.
6: Did you just say the pulpit of God's love?
0: Yeah, it was a, a quote from someone else. That's pretty cool. Yeah. they they said that the cross is the pulpit pulpit of God's love, mm-hmm. you know, where he he preaches his love to the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, when we fail to understand the depths of God's love we pray less because we, we stop seeing a relationship with God as so much more special than anything else we could have in our life because when God's love isn't this grand magnificent thing in our mind having a relationship with him is replaceable. Mm-hmm. Well, so so we need to, to see how deep God's love is and that will cause us to pray more because we want a relationship with the one whose love cannot be compared to. Yeah. So one of the big ways that um, God's love is different from our love and so much deeper and grander than our love is it's not based on our characteristics so if we look back to verses (coughs) uh, 6 through 8 we'll see that for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, This doesn't paint a very flattering picture of us. Um, But at the end of the day, you need to realize that the accurate picture of yourselves and and of me is not a very flattering one. Um, And and it's important that we clear this out of the way because when we we think that in reality we're these very attractive, lovely people, it stops being so special that God has loved us as much as he has. Um, So we need to 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 endeavor to to get rid of the pride. Um, any of us who wear glasses knows that over time they get dirty. Um, we get dust particles on it and everything. Um, and I find that oftentimes it'll get dirty, and I won't, in, won't even realize how much it's affecting my vision. Yep. And then I'll I'll clean it off, and it's yeah. you know a whole new world out there. <laughs> um, and that's that's that 's like our pride in our, our self image when we 're trying to behold the glory of god 's love mm-hmm. um, it encroaches and it, it makes it seem less dull and less vibrant and less real
6: uh, it was very important for the Jews to hear this because they thought they were so much better than the Gentiles mm-hmm. I mean, this was devastating to them mm-hmm. I mean Paul's talking in very loving terms, but to hear that Christ you know had to die for the ungodly which includes you <laughs> and this also because of this your analogy is so good and I think that mm. this to me as much as I appreciate the analogy people use you know the judge comes down off the bench and takes the punishment I don't like that analogy myself because I just don't think it rises to the level of what God has done for Trust us in mm. Christ you know what I mean I mean, I, I can see it's a little bit helpful but but it's so incomparable mm. yeah the Jews never considered themselves things. as enemies of God that's exactly right later on uh
2: huh mm. yeah
0: and and this love is only for people who fall into the category who fall into the category of ungodly Amen. of weak of enemies of god of sinners this isn't a love this isn't a promise this isn't a hope for people who think that they are <coughs> self-sufficiently good that they are full of all these attractive things
2: I didn't speak for
5: Have you ever read or seen the picture of Dorian Gray?
0: I, I know of the story. I
5: picture up as a picture up in the attic, up in the school. And when he had enough, he put the knife to it. And he died and becomes that ugly picture but the picture becomes beautiful like when he was 23 hmm. years old and I can really relate to that God died for me when I was that ugly creature mm-hmm. and with his death mm-hmm. he became the
1: ugly creature and I was the beautiful, beautiful queen, mm-hmm. child of God mm-hmm. and,
0: and the reality is that um we love to um, try and create our own idea of the world, where we are beautiful. And it is it is a gross mockery of the, the true reality of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the wonderful thing is, without the gospel, the true reality of the world is, it, it makes sense that we would run from it, because it shows us that we are horrible, disgusting people and we are hopeless and and lost. Um, But the gospel changes that reality where we can, with joy, be happy and rejoice in God because he makes us no longer horrible and disgusting and no longer bearing the penalty for that.
3: The more I dissect that verse, it you know, while we would yet sin as Christ died for us, I start thinking, what a huge difference between my ability to love and God's. God. Not only does He love differently, but He can love me even when I hate Him. And how often do we struggle with that type of love ourselves? anybody ever try to love someone that hates you or disrespects you? Or, you know, even close to that, that, or even does not show any love in the reverse direction. It's easy to love somebody when you're getting along, communicating, they love you, you love them. That that can go on for a long time, but when one end stops loving, then it becomes difficult. And,
0: And who do we gravitate towards in our life? Do we gravitate towards the people that... (coughs) Um <coughs> don't go out of their way to to help us, that don't reciprocate the feelings of care and compassion that we send their way, or do we gravitate towards the people who um send love back our way who who do nice things yeah. for us?
3: Well it's not contingent on us giving it back to them
0: yeah um, so to dig into the the verse a little bit um. Verse seven, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die um, there 's two two main ways that people tend to understand this verse. Um, some people understand it as um, a restating of the same idea, you know saying that one would scarcely die for a righteous person, and for a good person one might even dare to die and that this is just a way of repeating the same idea um, I'm not a Greek expert so take my um, opinions and studies for what it's worth but I feel that the um, second option, the second view of it is a little more likely um, that when he's talking about the righteous person here that means someone that doesn't do evil um, You know, just a a general um, person who isn't hurting other people and and doing um, bad things, and that someone would scarcely die for the sake of that person. Um, And then the good person in the second section is someone that is um, who does generous, good, self-sacrificing acts, who puts other people before themselves. Um, the, good, the word good there can be sometimes translated as useful um, and so with, with that second view it's saying that um, people would rarely die for someone who doesn't um, do wrong things to other people and perhaps someone would even die for someone who does good things for other people but God's love is so different for us that He dies when we are still sinners, when we are people who actively commit crimes, when we are criminals against God's law. Um, it, and it's very easy to see this. Um, if a man who we knew was in innocent was going to be put to death for a crime he didn't commit, we might be willing to step in and, and take his place if that was an opportunity but very few people would do that and if, if someone who was considered a, a paragon of self-sacrifice and generosity and um, loving kindness was in that same position where they were unjustly being put to death we might be more willing to step in for their place um, but on the exact opposite end of the spectrum is where God's love falls. Not, not the, the more good you are, the more likely God is to, to regard your position and um, help you out and take care of you. But rather, you are as far from provoking, uh, of having lovely characteristics as you can be as far from being a righteous person or a good person as you can be and God chooses to die for you Um, so instead of not only is God's love um, still present despite the fact that we um, lack lovely things his love is still present when we are sinners and enemies of God so we we need to remember that God's love is, is different from our love it's not based on the things in us and so we can trust it um, there's a, a wonderful poem that that um I very much like. It's uh, Sonnet 14 by Elizabeth Barrett Browning um, and it's called If Thou Must Love Me. The whole premise of the sonnet is that um, she doesn't want someone to love her for her beauty, for her way of talking, her way of being kind or any of these things or or even for how this person might enjoy helping her no longer be sad or, or live a better life because anything in someone's love that is based on her love on her traits could change and her love and that person's love would change um, the end of the poem is um, but a love so wrought would be unwrought so you know that that a love that is based on on things in ourselves can change when we change but God's love is unchangeable and you can trust it you can put your hope in it with certainty and never be put to shame so much so that you rejoice in trials um, because his love is not based on us not based on the things in us but despite those things your love is
3: immutable yeah it's interesting to see the whole thing just so nicely fit together because the natural mind wants to say if God is still love then why fill in the blank when actually it's the love of God that would allow the suffering in the first place that can draw out within us ugliness that needs to be addressed so that we go back like verse 2 says that we have gained access into the grace in which we stand, mm. And in that realization of, I can't do it. I can't earn that right place. It's because of him, because of his love. And sometimes suffering draws that out you know, for us and we really know what true love is. I
5: think one of the... But okay. so, okay. so God has chosen the things of the world to change your life. God has chosen the things the world to You know, the beast and the beast things of the world in the despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not so that you may know the other things that are so
1: many and for
5: you are in Christ Jesus who became
0: to us reason from righteousness and so that process is written within the God. Yeah. Um and that that ties very well back into the point that Pat was making um that this is so different from what the Jews were we're ready to believe um, that God chooses the base things um, to, yeah um, because god's love is is manifest in that he he loves people who are worthless um, not the that's the greatest mani- yeah.
6: Justin, how would you uh, answer someone who said, uh, see, this is a universal atonement of five because it's for both, both Jew and Gentile. Specifically, he sees the world as that which he would die for rather than a particular atonement. Is there anything in the
4: context that would guide us oh. to the right path?
0: Um, you know, I... It's fitting that, that you ask this question because <laughs> I, I think that the answer is right in the section that you talked last week. That...
6: Um <laughs> <laughs> <He> <laughs> makes them <man> look pretty <laughs> smart.
3: <doesn't he>? <laughs> <laughs> I think something else <laughs> <laughs> I think you uh, need to go
4: back and read all the <laughs> so, so
0: as, I, as I showed, um, the, this section... Is an expansion on that previous section that you taught on, and that section starts very clearly with, therefore, so everything coming after this is a consequence of this reality. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so so everything that comes after the start of verse of verse one in chapter five is a consequence of being justified by faith. Amen. Paul is is presupposing that all of this hope, these promises, um, this privilege of God's love is for people who are justified by faith. By faith. So it's obviously not a universal thing because it's limited to those who are justified by faith. This isn't a promise for those who don't believe the gospel that um, Paul set out in verses one in chapters one through three. Um, so, in verse nine, um, after Paul shows how uh, God's love is so different from our love, he goes on to show um, how God's love is abiding, and you can trust in its depth um, through his example on the cross in his resurrection so in verse 9 since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life so Paul's point here is that, um, and that's that present and future, uh, past, present, and future. Um, Paul is shoring up that future hope um, that will not be put to shame. Paul's saying that because Christ's death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, proved to justify us, proved to make people who were sinners declared righteous then much more, his life will save us from the wrath of God and give us a sure inheritance. Um, and, and that's why it's so important for us to believe in the resurrection and to understand the resurrection. Because if, if death proves to take people who are far off, um, we see near to God, so in verse 10 for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son so if people who are far off are brought near through death um, now that we are near now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life and by his life obviously means there not just his, his normal life but his resurrected life that the fact that after his son was put to death he now has life Um, so our hope has been secured and sustained Um, very clearly resurrection is a greater power a greater work than dying because resurrection is a demonstration of power over death so if the lesser death brought us near to God it, if, if death was so powerful the death of his son was so powerful that it could bring people who are enemies of God to be reconciled with him then resurrection which is greater than death by nature will obviously prove to protect us and guarantee our future if we are near, people, if a lesser thing can bring people who are far off near, then the greater thing should prove for the salvation of the people who are near. Um, and that's what, what Paul's saying is that if God, in dying, could bring hopeless sinners to Himself, then God, by being raised from the dead, will give you a hope that cannot be put to shame so we this is an amazing truth um, and this is a sure demonstration of God's love
2: Um. Justin could you say that this is the unfinished work of Christ Yes. In other words, he died and paid the penalty of our sins, which is a finished work. But now he lives at the right hand of God, continuing a work in us and for us yeah. at his Father's right hand.
0: Yeah, this is definitely future tense. Um, in nine, we see verse 9 we see, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Shall we be saved? Um, so there's a, a salvation we experience. Um, coming from death to life and then there's the unfinished work that you're talking about that we will receive that we shall be saved by Christ um, in, in <coughs> verse 10 it repeats that with um, shall we be saved by his life
3: okay, you're drawn even, even beyond that in the continual day of living day by day when we fall short he is working now right there and the father's right side of him.
0: Yeah. so that hope is never put to shame and it's so continuino- continual in our life that we can rejoice in trials
6: you know, just to add to what you were I saying the inferior to the superior the resurrection demonstrates not, as, not only his power over death but also demonstrates his lordship and kingship over all that was created
0: yeah definitely um, and it shows the power that means that we can trust in this love Um, Very quickly, the last verse, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Um, So, more than that, so this is an even greater reason for hope and to believe the love of God, we can now rejoice in the one who was going to put us to death the one who we were enemies of and running from is now the one who we can rejoice in. More than that, we can rejoice in God through Christ because we have now received reconciliation. When we are far off, we can't rejoice in God because we are enemies of God. Now, instead of being enemies, we can look at God and be filled with rejoicing. Um, And more than that, it's amazing to see how in... This chapter so far, Paul is progressively showing amazing things. Um, we start with being justified by faith, and then um, in verse 3, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Um, and another part, uh, not only this, um, And, you know, that continues on into more than that. So Paul is showing through his argument um, that God's love is so great that we can just keep looking at it. And it's like you get you go through the clouds on the mountain and it just keeps going. It's like, how much is God's love? Is it this? More than that. Is it this more than that? Is it this more than that? Yeah, there is just so much. Um, Brother Gary, would you close us in prayer?
2: Sure. Uh, thank you, Father, for such a rich portion of the word that we've heard this morning. Yeah. Thank you, oh Lord Jesus, for being the one who died for us the ungodly, and for not only dying in our room instead, but living for us at thy right hand at the right hand of the Father that sustains us and keeps us and so Lord Jesus thank you for the blood and thank you for your constant work at the Father's right hand for us help us to ever be reminded of this that Lord we would not be forgetful as as Peter says if if we forget these things Lord sad will be the outcome and may we not oh Lord ever ever uh, get weak Lord in our understanding of this great gospel truth thank you for Brother Justin and the word that he brought before us this morning and now we ask Lord that you would uh, raise up a an incense of worship this morning yeah. among us that would ascend to your throne that we, your people, would be edified, but more importantly, Lord, that you would be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: <clears throat>